usually it's never as bad as you think it's going to go and it's if you go into it with the mindset that the universe will only ever give you what you can handle then you feel a bit more confident that you can handle what, what comes your way when those challenging conversations happen and yes sometimes it's going to be a bit messy and sometimes it's going to be a bit awkward but ultimately you might walk away feeling a little bit better than having left a a specific charge in you for 20 years or 30 years that builds up and festers welcome to the mindful paths podcast with nick day and harry kalimnios where we explore the fascinating worlds of mindset mindfulness fitness well-being vitality leadership and personal development Our goal is to provide you with the insights to help you live a more fulfilling, happier and healthier life. If you're striving to be a better parent, friend, leader, colleague or boss, or if you simply want to be more mindful and aware of the world around you, then this Mindful Past podcast is for you. We invite you all to eavesdrop on our conversations and we challenge you to discover a new insight to help you on your own journey towards personal growth and positive change. So sit back, relax and let's begin our journey together on the Mindful Paths podcast. Howie, how are you doing, buddy? How was your How was your uh, trip in Estonia? I know we, we've had a couple of weeks before, well, probably three weeks. Um, I'm still recovering. I've got to be honest. My aura ring stats are still trying to creep up into the seventies. Normally, I'm worried if they're below eighty-five. Uh, when I was in Estonia, I was happy if they were in the fifties. Um, they were. They went down to the twenties at some stages. Um, the last probably week or so. Uh, actually, the last week or so, I was getting less sleep than you would normally get. I was like averaging like three, four hours a night, going to bed at like six, seven in the morning, waking up at nine, ten. Um, three uh, weeks is intense as well. I mean, you're out there for a long time, pushing. Yeah, you, I mean, doesn't party, social, and socialize that often. That is a big shock to the system. It is, but what I was saying to people is, uh, I've actually got quite a big resilience bank account. So, like, I've made quite a lot of deposits over the year to bring my energy deposit up quite a lot so that i think i've got about somewhere between three and five weeks reserve in me where i can handle that kind of intensity um i've just started to get ill a bit last week and kind of recovered a bit but i also went down to brighton for a weekend and so i haven't been in my own space for more than experiences i think i told you last time i'm not sure if i did but i was doing daily swims in the sea yeah, so I was doing that every day, and eventually we got some people joining us some days, and then one day we got a whole men's group coming, which was great in the morning after like a men's session at like nine thirty, and then at the final final day, where the graduation, if you like, at the closing ceremony, we got about fifty or sixty people, men and women, come, and we did this weird kind of chanting, dancing thing on the beach, which all the locals thought we were absolutely crazy. It looks very cultish, I'll admit it. It looks very cultish, all this stuff, and then we all jumped in the sea. And um, and it was good because that was like kind of my my driving force. And uh, a lot of people knew me on the trip because I was posting every day in the WhatsApp group, like rain or shine. I was going in the water. Even when I moved uh, accommodation to be further away, I went in every day, even if it meant going in at seven o'clock at night before the final party. I just went in um, and it was good. It was just all about commitment. And because I decided at the beginning of the trip, that's what I was going to do. I kind of had no choice but to do it um and i kind of made a big public commitment as well so so yeah it was good um how are you doing i'm good mate i'm sat here we got here i'm in france uh, my internet is a little bit unstable so apologies if that's coming through but uh we got out to france yesterday uh, y- or yesterday uh first the first proper day here um i'm at my parents place uh, near alenson so outside it's i'm ahead of you so half eight here trying to find space in the house that's private that has a little bit of internet sort of hidden in a cubby hold corner but um 
Yeah, so I'm behind you in the holiday stakes. I'll, I'll start today, but uh, yeah, no, it's good good to be away, man. And I think uh, overdue, to be honest, with a lot of things that have been going on. But yeah. I've got I'm here for Ironman as well. So a bit like you out here for three or four weeks. Got Ironman on the 19th or 20th. I'm not sure the exact date. So a friend of mine is joining on the 11th, and I'll be I've been out today for a nice nice. You know what? It's so nice. I'm out for a cycle ride, 40k ride today, and you've got like, no potholes oh. in the road, no traffic, <laughs> like all the things you want when you're outside yeah. you actually can't get in the uk yeah. because it's just it, the roads are just terrible everyone hates cyclists and it's a nightmare yeah so that's quite nice you know, actually had a best part of an hour and 10 minutes cycling 40k ride and not disturbed by anybody um perfect did you did you drive down there to france yeah. or did you fly yeah and i drove did down to parents place in salisbury stayed the night and then we got a, a ferry from portsmouth to Cannes, and it's about an hour and a half from Cannes. five okay. hours <laughs> yeah nice um so um what I thought we'd talk about today, something I've been working on, um, or not working on specifically, but something that was coming up for me in the last three weeks at Mind Valley. Um, I think I, I kind of we, we touched upon it a little bit last time when, I, when we were talking about relationships and we we're talking about being clear about what you want. Um, yeah. But it's this idea of courageous conversations or challenging conversations. Um, and the reason I thought it might be a good place, at least to start with, and we'll see where this unfolds, is because i i had a couple of those sorts of conversations last week with friends actually probably it was the week before last week now actually um and yeah i wanted to unpack that a little bit um so just to give you some context what i mean is like when sometimes you know you can have interactions with a friend um yeah. or a work colleague or something and there's not anything specific maybe that is irking you but there's some kind of what i would call a charge left in you whereby something's not sitting right and then you don't maybe bring it up because you're like it's really not that big a deal or it's not anything but then it could snowball into something else yeah. and the reason i thought i'd bring it up is because i had two conversations with two really good friends and i often avoid challenging conversations i'm a little bit of a procrastinate when it comes to that which is funny because actually sometimes I don't mind having a spirited debate, as you know. No, uh, sometimes I enjoy having an argument. But there's a difference there. Like, when you, for when you and I have a debate, like, the parameters, are, we, we already doesn't understand the rules of play. Like, we know that mm. there's no offence taken, that we're going to speak openly, that we're not there to fall out. We're there to have a, a, a passionate conversation. I don't just mean for this show. I mean, when we've met on our cycle rides, we're yeah. there as friends. And we know we're not going to agree on everything before the conversation starts. It's almost like we've got some unwritten rules of of you know that we we'd be both abide to and it's okay you can say something i don't agree with i know we're not going to fall out about it and vice versa yeah. i guess the difference in this case is it's less about ideology and more about behavior so where someone has done something that has kind of irked you or left a charge in you and like for example a really good friend of mine came to visit in mine valley and I'm sure I'm not going to say his name, but I'm sure he won't mind me talking this story through. And we we met in 2019. He was actually a flatmate of mine when I went in Croatia. And I didn't know him then, but we became like almost like brothers from another mother sort of thing. So we became really, really close. And I'm not sure if I mentioned to it back in 2019, but there was some incident that happened, uh, obviously to do with a girl. And, um, and it created a little bit of weirdness, I think, between us at one stage. And I only really mentioned it to him like two weeks ago when I said you know what I just, it, this thing happened and 
I actually I'm, I've moved past it, but I want to say it all the same. Because just for just clarification, like, this isn't the same incident we discussed three or four episodes ago where... It might be. It might be. Um, and so that was something that I uh, wanted to talk about to him. And it, it wasn't like... The, the thing is, it wasn't to get a response either. And it wasn't to enter a discussion. It was merely just to enter something, like to get something off my chest. And the, the incident that you don't know is like another friend of mine. So here's the situation. And again, I may have read something into it differently. And what was actually really interesting is there was a third person involved in our conversation when I brought this up, who's okay. also actually a very successful coach. So and he was in the middle. Well, not so much a mediator, more of an observer. He didn't in- involve himself, but he, after we had our discussion, kind of gave us both his reflections on what he saw. And so the situation was this. So um, on Sunday night, last Sunday, so not the one just gone, two Sundays ago, I was at a, an event where a friend of mine was was running this meditation, music event. I, I don't know how to describe it, really. Anyway, my friend was there as well. And and I, I was quite, let's say, I, I was quite connected with this girl that was running the event. Right? We'd, we'd, have, we'd spent a lot of time together over the week before and everything and quite like her. And then I, I ended up, after the event, having dinner with her and spending time with her. And it was just the two of us. And then at like one in the morning, my friend, who was also at that event, sends her a text and was saying things like, you know, I, I want to get to know you more, interesting, blah, blah. And that's all she said to me. She said, I, you know, so-and-so sent me a text. And I don't think she even read it properly at the time. She just saw the, the screenshot. Oh, but you, you're instantly triggered, right? Because you're thinking deja vu, your mind's getting... Well, I'm thinking not just deja vu, but also because earlier in the trip, that same friend had, I guess, been attracted to a girl I was attracted to. Now, he didn't know that that was someone I was interested in, but... There was a little bit of a friction there. And I thought, hang on a second. He knows I like this girl. I think he does anyway, because I've spoken about her all week. And he's sending her texts at one in the morning. So anyway, I felt like a little bit funny from it. And I bumped into him on the Monday uh, when he was in town with this other guy. And I said, you know, I want to bring something up. And it wasn't necessarily to get a resolution, but it was more because I felt like, A, we had become closer. I'd known him for four years, but we only really became connected this year. And I didn't want there to be something left unsaid. So I said, you know what, that text that you sent yesterday, what was all that about? And we ended up having a bit of a frank conversation about it. And there was very much solid eye contact and integrity behind our words. And the the third party said what he felt and he could see my point of view. But he also said that maybe the projection of what I was seeing in the other person was because of what I would maybe do in that situation. And it may be was just an innocent thing the point of it all was that actually at the end of it we became i think closer he respected the fact that i brought that up and again i said to him it's not like it was a big deal as such it wasn't something that really really irritated me i think what really irritated me was that i was going to maybe leave it left unsaid yeah and i'm trying to work on this idea of bringing things up when they come to the surface and having those challenging conversations and there's another conversation I, I might talk about in a second once once you reflect on this as well but I felt quite liberated at the end of it I felt quite free and it wasn't actually it wasn't something I couldn't handle I think a lot of the time I avoid things because I think I don't want to upset someone or I don't want to um you know go for a difficult time and even last week 
I was playing very much a live in the moment kind of personality. Often I'm a thinker, as you know, and yeah. I plan things out days in advance, mm-hmm. weeks in advance. I think, sure. If I do this, what's going to happen two days time with this person and this person? Mm-hmm. Am I going to upset them? And actually what I did was I just lived in the moment I was in without necessarily thinking about the other person and then realizing that when that situation arises, when I have to deal with it, I'll be equipped to deal with it. And actually it turned out fine, everything, like from my conversation with my friend to with someone else, I was able to deal with it. And I think it's always the act of building up to it that is worse than the act itself in my thing. But I mean, obviously you probably have lots of challenging conversations because you've got staff members and uh, I guess clients that you maybe have to be a bit honest yeah. with in terms sure. of their, uh, so yeah. Okay. I think the reflective bit I'd have is actually more on the on the um, psychology of of difficult conversations, but and I, only because it links to some of the conversations we've had before. So uh, I'll come back to the to the work based thing. But I'm basically, I mean, first thing is well done for addressing it. I think that's what we should be doing, right? But and there's a reason I say that, and I'll, I'll explain why I say well done for addressing it because it doesn't serve anyone to hold it. Now we've talked a lot about trauma in the past right and you can hold on to trauma and people know that if you talk through trauma typically that's one of the best mechanisms for overcoming a, a serious issue whether it's small trauma big trauma is talking it out whether a friend with us with a specialist whatever but what we do know is not holding it in the body so we know that we hold about 90 percent of these things subconsciously and 10 percent consciously so for example i might say that i had I, I might remember now what i had for breakfast if you ask me but i wouldn't necessarily remember straight away it's kind of it's in my subconscious but if i ask i can then re, you know i can p- pull it back up again as an example but things that happen mm. so that that thing that happened with your friend that would have been buried into your gut and we get those gut feelings mm. that things aren't yeah. right and our body gives us signals that things aren't right and you would have had something something was telling you that you had to act you know something wasn't right and but what we often don't do is listen to what our body is telling us so most people will suppress that feeling or push it down they'll avoid the conflict and actually what happens is it will it will manifest itself at some point. It, we build on yeah. it. It becomes like a weed that grows inside of us. And eventually the, the situation gets way worse. So the first thing that I was going to say is huge, not that it surprises me because you've always been quite forward, in a good way, by the way, with me, if you don't agree with something or whatever, clearly the way he behaved went against your, your values. They may not necessarily gone against his values, but that would have created in my, in my estimation, a, a feeling in your gut that something wasn't right because your value chain has been challenged and most people would suppress it and they would sit on they wouldn't do anything with it go, you know what? it will pass but what happens is then another incident will happen in the future and that suppressed feeling in your gut would have grown like a weed and you'll find out it comes out a lot stronger and a lot yeah. of people have these things and it's not just about relationship issues but we have things that we've suppressed in the body and often we get we get a feeling when it comes to a difficult conversation and interestingly we can often pinpoint where it feels it might be to the side of your gut it might be you know right in the middle of your gut it might be in your chest it might be wherever we can often feel pain in the body but we can actually physically feel where that suppression has been been pushed in but a lot of it that's the sub like there's 90 percent of what we're dealing with is subconscious so if we mm. don't deal with it it gets buried 10 percent is in our mind and what was really good is you felt it in your gut you addressed it straight away you brought it into the conscious level and you dealt with it which takes it out of the subconscious you were made to dress. You don't always know where the resolution is going to go, but whether it had gone good or gone bad, I guarantee that would be, would have been a better outcome. Even if he had yeah. disagreed with you and told you to go and do one, it still would have been the right outcome because you now know oh, yeah. you used to stone the line. Well, um, and also he did disagree with me in that that he said that wasn't his intention and everything else. And like I said to him, me bringing it up is not for you to agree or disagree or for us to get a resolution. It's more 
because I want to be a bit more forthright in my conversations. Yeah. And this has cropped up before. And I think a relationship breakdown I had with the girl I was seeing when we first started probably uh, getting to know each other. Um, I think a lot of that came down to communication in certain ways and that we weren't honest enough with our communication. And that ultimately probably was a bit disruptive. And I think one of the things I recognised from this trip and probably the biggest takeaway would be to express those emotions, to express what I'm feeling and deal with whatever comes my my way as a result of it, knowing that I'm going to be able to deal with it Um, and not necessarily I'm saying these things to, to be proven right or wrong or get a resolution it's more like you said not to hold the trauma within and to release that so that otherwise because I think like even like some of the friends that we both know and I won't yeah. name them but sure. um you know a friend of of both of ours that I've known for much longer than you let's say yeah there have been things right. that there have been things that have gone on between us that I never really resolved or never really dealt with and it wasn't like it was something specific and actually that might be a reason why we've drifted apart the last actually 10 12 years if i'm honest is that there was always something that was going on and i'm not sure what it was it was i mean ultimately it was because i felt like that person wasn't was always you know we were talking about negging the other day when it came to relationships yeah yeah, yeah, it was felt like there was always a bit of a neg there with him and me and and I just ultimately walked away from each conversation thinking, am I feeling uplifted or not from this interaction with this person? And it wasn't like I could change that person because I'm not here to change anyone else and everyone is perfect just the way they are. It's just that sometimes people don't necessarily mix. No, and I just actually, I, I know the example you're referring to. And for my, as the mediator in that scenario, if I was to be one, that's down to miscommunication and understanding. And actually the other individual really didn't really take the opportunity to get to know or understand the decisions you took because you were both in the city life doing different things and couldn't understand this major shift that you made in your life and um, was probably a little bit surprised by it and actually probably could have been dealt with with both of you on the same page, but those conversations didn't happen. Uh, But interestingly as well, this is where if we do suppress these things, they get layered quite quickly. And and, and addiction, I I, I can talk about it because I've been addicted to things. um, I've talked about gambling in previous show so I, I know I have a tendency to go that way and I, I tend to go that way when I'm not when I'm not dealing with something so then you end up compulsive you look for a solution to what is you know what the problem is but you don't want to deal with it so you look for something else to get out of it and I'm yeah. someone that if I'm not dealing with it I, I can recognize the signs but I might you know I'll, I'll go back to my what I think is a, a a way out but for others that might be alcohol that might be drugs it might be something else that's really unhealthy on the body and you you don't need to return to those things we go that way because we're not dealing with what's actually happening in the subconscious or in the, in the body that we're really really holding yeah. down and um, difficult conversations for me i mean at work and, and clients in particular i mean there are, there are skills to have with them um particularly with clients mirroring is, is a really you'll know that from mlp as well but mirroring is a really strong thing to do particularly if you're dealing with someone's having a difficult conversation with you and you don't know how to handle it you know try and mirror the way that they're handling it back and sometimes you need to be direct and aggressive in that way um, but I think mirroring is a, is, a, is a really powerful way of, of handling a difficult conversation. But I'd always say it, you need to get it out, but try not to get it out in a way that is um, telling the other, which is, doesn't sound like the way that you did it, which is great. A lot of the time when we're unhappy, we let it fester for so long. that When we do get it out of our system, we tell someone you know, in very direct terms what the right path is. 
but that's the right path for us, not necessarily the right path for everybody. And it's when those values are misaligned so so clearly, you end up with conflict because no one likes being told how to do something. It's a bit like someone coming and going, you could do this podcast better, Nick and Harry. Okay. You know, while someone could come in and go, you know, and I'm sure there's loads of ways we can improve the way we're doing things, right? But if yeah, someone else yeah. came in with the same thing and said, guys, I'm really enjoying the show, would you be open to a couple of suggestions on a way I think you can improve it? That's a that's a that that approach is miles better than someone going, I know, you know, I can, let me tell you 10 ways I can make your show better. You know what I mean? One one brings yeah. up a a way for me wanting to fight back like a cat or a, a rat in a corner, and the other one is actually we really open to listening. I mean- I guess it all comes down to intention and what is the intention behind having that conversation? I think where we came from in that conversation last week with my friend is, and I I think I said this at the beginning, it's like, obviously we're coming from a place of love and respect. And and the reason we're having the conversation in the first place is because we care about our relationship with the other person. Sure. And otherwise, if we didn't, we just wouldn't even bother with it. And I think that's, something that's really important. And it reminds me, I had a really challenging conversation a few years back with a very close family member. And I won't go into it specifically here in case they they listen to the show, but needless to say, we've had challenges our entire lives. And it got to a head really badly to the point where I didn't want this person around my house and didn't see them, want to see them for months at a time. And it got to a point where I had to deal with it. And so I actually wrote them a letter and expressed my opinion but also then wanted to talk about it afterwards and so going into that conversation and this particular person can they tend to express their emotion through a little bit more loudness or anger whereas I tend to in those situations become calmer and step back which ultimately doesn't help because in a way you have to almost match that person's energy to bring them down. But when, yeah. when they accelerate their energy and you keep yours low, it makes them more irritated. And anyway, so what, one thing I did in terms of having this, uh, I guess, challenging conversation or courageous conversation, and I was, I was trying to look for them now, but I can't find them, but I actually wrote down about 10 rules of engagement before and I suggested, I said, before we meet and have this walk and talk, which I thought it was better to have a walk and talk rather than just a talk, these are some of the suggestions I've got. Please offer your own suggestions as well. But it was things like, you know, see a bit like Stephen Covey, seek first to understand before yeah. being understood or something. It was if ever, if either of us are getting heated, that it's okay to walk away from the conversation or that my perception of history may be different from that person's perception of history. And that's, that's okay. It was still those sorts of things because I wanted to enter that. And it felt like a little bit, official and legal in a way to have this frame of reference or terms of service or rules of engagement, whatever you want to call it. But I also felt from my own perspective, I needed that because in this particular situation, I know how matters can escalate. And I wanted to be in a position where I I, I maintain some level of composure within that conversation. Otherwise, it just goes like it always does. And we had that conversation and we, I guess we came to some level of agreement. We're still in a a place that we're in um at the moment but there's a lot better i guess understanding from my perspective and from hers about how i prepare to interact in that conversation with them um so i guess the, the what i'm saying I mean, is the rules that... of engagement is something i think uh yeah i mean i totally get the reasons for it i think i i, I just i mean about seeing them it's difficult i think it is quite um formal yes 
and actually yeah. it does set it does set an agenda i mean setting agendas for meetings we do that in work all the time they're really they are really important because they keep you to a deadline they keep you focused on point and everything else um but it, it does take a little bit of the emotion out of the situation but i don't i think that could you know actually in those kind of conversations you sometimes need a bit of emotion because that that's what speaks true to our values um and also you may have ended up with a bit more of a defensive response because they know you're trying, it's like join the battle lines right even though you're not I, meaning I it, it's how i'd interpret it i guess and, and and i think you're right i think where i would probably counter in that is obviously i have 40 something years of experience with this person and so i know that uh, how things have always gone and oh, this, this we come into family, you didn't do the rules of engagement with your friend no no i'm no. oh, sorry i misunderstood i thought that was with your friend you met last week oh, you mean the, no. guy, the family member okay okay yeah with the that's family right. no with the with the friend i just said look there's something that's left a little bit of a charge in me it's not a big deal um i want to talk about it and you know the reason i'm talking no. about it is because sorry we've, no we've, i get it i miss, i must i must have misunderstood that what i would say though is and here to be careful and i've got a friend who's done this he may well may well listen to this as well and um I've got a friend who wrote a letter to his parents and uh, wasn't happy with the way things were going and, and and felt for many reasons why he was unable to have this conversation directly. I won't name him with them direct, but the relationship had fallen foul, um, you know, and he wanted he wanted to really all, all came from a good place. He wanted to write, uh, have a conversation with them to improve the relationship between his children and his parents. He wanted the grandchildren of his parents have a really you know close relationship, even if they didn't. So actually it came from a really, really good place. However, the inability to, you know, to, to push that down, to have a conversation verbally meant he'd, be, he'd put pen to, pen to paper. And we know that pen to paper is, can be a powerful thing, right? And you wrote a letter in your example. Yeah. The only thing about a letter is, A, and you'll notice from your journaling, when you write, you don't write the same way you talk. And actually, you're often a lot more comes out in your writing than will come out when you talk openly. Now, that can be a good yes. thing or a bad thing. I would say before you've even met the individual, and if you're going to have a conversation, it's very much media, about mediation, I would have it with a with a bit of a thought of okay, there's that's a lot for the person to read, to interpret, and understand, and take in. That's the first thing. Mm. So always get a second view, and I'll, I'll go back to that in a moment. If you are going to do that, the second thing is, and this is the really careful thing I would write is, you can't write tone. Now you can write stories, which are wonderful, and we can read and interpret them. But when you write a letter to your friend, or when my my friend wrote a letter to his parents, the only person that adds tone to those words is the recipient. And that could be written, mm. you know, I was really upset about when anything happened emotional, I'm really upset. You know, you can change the tone of everything. And that could be different depending on when, you, when they're reading it in the morning, when they've had their coffee, whether someone's just cut them up on, the, on, a, on a junction and they've got to a hotel and they're, they're late for a meeting and then they read the letter. You don't know when they're going to read it. We just have the assumption they're going to read it in their best version, as the best version of the, and most understanding version of themselves. And that's really the time and place we are ever at when we read a letter. So that's the second thing I'd make. Now, in this particular example, he showed me the letter and I just wish he had, he'd had a, I'd had a chance to read it. He'd already sent it. And I went, please tell me you haven't sent this. And he went, yeah, I've sent it. And I was like, oh, because I was able, I was with him. So the way I could see the way he meant it, because I was with him at the yeah. time, the way I was reading it was a totally different to the way he'd, he'd meant it to be read. And I was like, yeah. if I was reading this now, this is how I'd interpret this line. Oh, I don't mean, I mean like that. I was like, I know, I know how you meant it. And what happened? Fireworks. I mean, it, it <laughs> damaged the relationship significantly. I'm not sure it's, yeah. it's even recovered yet. So I think... I mean, I mean, I actually did exactly what you suggested. I actually sent that letter to a few other friends um, and read it like over Zoom with... Um, actually, my good friend Trevor, who I don't know if he listens, um, 
really good friend and actually we've had some issues in the past which um maybe is worth chatting about as well but he he's a really really good friend of mine he was actually going to come on our cycle trip one year and he, he didn't I, remember. I remember that's how i know the name trevor from he's on the mailing list yeah yeah he was going to come but he was doing some crossfit thing in the end so he, he couldn't come but he he read it as as did a couple of other friends and they were you know diplomatic to me by saying a bit like what you said like I'm not sure how this is going to come across and and actually so it was about three or four drafts that went into it and and even the final version they still were trying to tone it down but then I I kind of I needed to say what I wanted to say and, and the, the reason a letter worked in that case for me is because in a live interaction with this person it doesn't get that far you know so I'm going to challenge you. I'm going to challenge you from a place where I've just remembered, actually. And I don't know whether this is about the subconscious things being buried, right? I'm brought it to the surface. And I don't think I've thought about this for many, many years. Mm. But I'm going to challenge you. I think we only ever write these things if we actually lack the courage to say it face to face because we're worried about the response it'll have. And it's easier to send and forget. And I'll say why. Mm. I just remembered when I've actually done this. I completely forgot. I can't believe it's taken me all into this in this recording to think about a time when I've actually written a letter when I should have done it face to face. And you're going to judge me. And my wife judges me. And everyone who knows this story has judged me, especially for one particular thing that I did. And I, I hope to God this person's not listening, but they probably are. Because they're a friend of mine and we're still friends. That's a good thing. So hopefully I've been forgiven. But an, an ex-girlfriend I was with for quite a long time. It was pretty, you know, we were pretty serious for, for, for quite a long time. But it, it 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 didn't, I decided, I need, you know, it wasn't the right relationship for me. So I don't want to go into that thing. But I decided that I tried, was so desperately didn't want to hurt this person too much. That I knew doing it face to face would make it difficult. I knew it'd be really, really emotional. And so I did it in a letter, right? But worse, and this is a bit of immaturity here, we are going back to the, you know, I was a lot, lot younger, I was in my teens, but we've been dating for quite a while. I didn't just write the letter, I bloody put it in a computer and printed it and then signed it. I mean, you can't get worse than that. I was so embarrassed thinking about it. I'm going red talking to you that I actually did this. It's so embarrassing. So I wrote this letter because the only way I felt I can get everything out and the only way I felt like if I wrote it in a letter, it was final. Like, yeah. There was no way of arguing or countering it. I knew what I wanted, what I needed and wanted to do, but I didn't know how else yeah. to do it. So I wrote it and there was a real finality to it. But yeah. it's, a, it's a horrendous thing, in my opinion, to do. It was a horrendous thing for me to have done. It goes completely against my own value system, which I know changes in, in time anyway, right? Yeah. What I was then is not who I am now. I, it I does get it. I mean, like, a lack of courage. I, I don't know. I mean, let me let me just make you feel a little bit better about that whole episode. I've actually gone red. I mean, my lighting's red. I know, I can see you've gone a bit red. I, embarrassment. The other day I was writing in my journal because I just got back from Mind Valley, and a friend of mine suggested you know, writing your journal about, about your experience while you, you can. And this is a journal I've been keeping on and off since I was 10 years old. So I've got like three or four books. And sometimes I go years without writing in them. But I did, and I don't ever tend to read what I've written before I, I write the new entry. But I had lots of printouts in, in the journal and stuck. And I had letters that I'd written to an ex-girlfriend from, I think, two. I, I was going out with someone from 2003 to 2005, yeah. so a couple of years back then. And we broke up, weren't going to necessarily the reasons, but ultimately it was parents' approval situation. So it wasn't that we fell out of love with each other. And that was quite challenging. And I wrote, I think I wrote her a letter, I wrote her parents a letter. I don't think I sent the parent, I think I gave her both letters because I wanted I wanted to be able to express what I wanted to express without it getting all muddled. It wasn't about not necessarily being courageous to do it, but talking about emails I also later saw some emails that I was sending bearing in mind I was working night shifts at the time at the London Stock Exchange so you know your night's a bit delirious anyway 
Yeah. And I felt that she'd moved on very quickly after our breakup. And I wrote her some choice words, let's say. And, you know, I remember her response in one of them because she emailed me back and she was like, I don't know where to begin with that. Like so many mixed messages. Like, because on the one hand, I'm saying I hate your guts and disrespect you. And on the other hand, I'm saying I miss you and I want you back. Yeah. And, yeah. and I, wrote, I wrote another letter to her because uh, I, I struggle to get over breakups, I'll be honest, right? And because when I'm invested, I'm invested. And so I don't, I find it hard when other people move on. And I wrote her a letter once and I admitted something that I'm not proud of. But as soon as I sent it, I'm not sure if it was a letter or an email, I texted her. And, and this is another reason for writing the letters is that you're not, I never had the opportunity to meet up with her for like a, a proper drink or a chat and get things off yeah. my chest. Because it just like drags things on. But I sent her a text and I said, please don't open that email or don't read that email. And she texted back and said, thank you for sending this text. Um, I won't. I still don't know to this day whether she did or didn't. Um, I won't tell you what I admitted in there, but hopefully she didn't. Because at the end of the day, I didn't want her memory of me to be, here's this psycho ex-boyfriend who's who's doing this stuff. I wanted it to be, oh, you know, we had a wonderful couple of years together. Um, so I, I get it because I wear my emotions on my sleeve and in my, in my pages a lot of the time. And I feel like it's easy to get that off. And actually one, one ex-girlfriend of mine that I was only dating for like three months, I saw her letter in there and it was like a Dear John letter as well. And actually I quite liked it. I quite liked receiving that in a way because she said, you know, sorry, I was off with you yesterday, blah, blah, blah. But I think, you know, we're not really suited together and X, Y, Z. Um, turns out as well, she ended up marrying one of my best mate's brothers, okay. uh, which was quite uh, and actually we hung out a couple of months ago I saw her at uh, Ali Pali and we hung out she's got two kids and, and everything's fine and I actually didn't mind receiving that letter that Dear John letter and she wrote it because she said if I if I wasn't able to write it I wouldn't be able to get the words out that I wanted to say so I don't know that there's a right or wrong or it's a, a coward thing to say or to not do but I do admit that it's easier to hide behind a pen and a paper than it is to look someone in the eye and have that yeah. conversation and that's yeah. what I think I'm working towards doing more of now I'm, I'm really proud of you for doing that. I, I i can't get away from the fact that there's, there's a cut there's a courage thing in there i think personally i think mm-hmm. um we're worried about you yeah or make them feel like you don't like them or or whatever and but i would say a letter's still a little bit like what i was saying earlier no, like with the podcast example like it's all it's a, it's a way of telling someone yeah without without listening and it's because we don't want our track to our thought process to be manipulated yeah. changed or, or, or altered yeah but actually sometimes we need that to happen to see it from a different perspective otherwise we just become i don't know our own echo chamber and we we can become i don't i, I think i think i'll always say conversation is is is, is better. I, I think so but i would also say that if the letter is preceding that conversation i don't necessarily see an issue with it because it, it gives the opportunity for that person to say what they're thinking in an unclouded way that's why actually sometimes when they talk about therapy we were talking about this thing a while back but when it comes to therapy, sometimes actually it's better not to talk to another person and actually to journal instead. Correct. Writing a letter to yourself, though, is very, and you can write yeah. a letter to yourself and post them, is a very different thing. Yeah. And actually, I mean, some of the letters really I've written never went anywhere. No, but well. you can write letters. There are services, I can't remember, I can find the domains for you if you want, where you can write letters and they send them to you later, but like you can put dates and things on them and all sorts. Well, actually, and then you read your own tones. You could do it a month later and you'll read it in that different view and go, oh my God, I can't believe I was feeling like that. But that's an example. We even read our own tone differently. Well, you know what we did um, years ago? I think uh, in 2014, I ran a retreat with my then girlfriend called Detox with a Difference. It was a detox retreat, but the reason it was different is because 
we weren't just doing the, the juices and the yoga, but we were also teaching them, or I was teaching them mindset stuff, NLP, health and nutrition. Yeah, yeah. But one of the activities we did at the end of that week was they all got to write letters to themselves, which would then be given to me. And then I posted them, I, I think it was six months or a year later. So I posted them back to themselves six months or a year later. And they're, it's them themselves telling themselves, you know, keep going with it. You did really right. How amazing are you feeling now? And so there's there's a lot of power to be had in hearing your own voice, which is why huge power. But I do think it's different when it's yourself, where it's powerful yes. than someone else. I mean, we can read Benjamin, our own tone, and we can we can uh, you know we can emit that emotional response of how we're feeling in that moment as well. Is it is it Benjamin Franklin or maybe it was Abraham Lincoln? I think it was Abraham Lincoln possibly, but he used to write letters to his generals when he That's was right. Them. Yeah, like yeah. he wouldn't send them. Yeah, uh, he would have that delay and and then just burn them the next day or something like yeah that. because often as well when you when you have the delay you read the letter and realize that it's it's not how you feel that's why in if to link it back to business right so as you say i've got a lot of staff and i've got to deal with difficult things sometimes um if i get a challenging thing come in or i haven't been challenged or i don't like the way i've seen something and i know i'm going to instantly react i will hold yeah. on it and i'll respond the following day interestingly even when you do that though you can send but you can say back to someone look i'm going to I've received it. I'm going to respond to this tomorrow because I'm yeah. not in the right frame of mind to respond it now. Actually, you forget in it how much power even that can have. Mm-hmm. Because because you haven't responded quickly, suddenly the, the, the person that sent it's gone, oh no, yeah. oh no, 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 you know, this is this is it. And, that, and that, I say that because that's happened. Well, I've tried to go in a way that means calmness. Yeah. Like, you see, but I don't want to overreact, so I'm going to respond tomorrow. But actually, that had a way more powerful impact than it would have yeah. been just with the there. And that was something, oh. again, I didn't really understand. That's, that's something that I hadn't anticipated well, could happen. We are going to create the story in our head. So I remember receiving an email last year from a company that I do freelance work for. And the title or the email was something along the lines of, um, can you give me a call about your workshop or something like that? And in my head, I'm like, there's been a complaint from a teacher. They're going to da, 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 have a go at me about something. And I created this whole story in my head of like, because often the office there doesn't contact you for good things anyway. It's, it's, it's usually to reprimand you on something like that. And and in the end, it was, I think they wanted to know whether I could do a certain date for a workshop and clash. And it was like totally nothing. And I, and I just thought, even the emails that I get, we get automated emails every time we do a workshop, which says, feedback for workshop blah 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 and even when i see that title i'm always thinking feedback as if there's been negative feedback said about me like even though i know it's an automated email there's yeah. it triggers me in some way and i'm just like we often don't really recognize how our response might land with a certain person and it's impossible to know how every individual is going to respond on every nuance that you give but yeah absolutely i, I think when you said i'll respond on this tomorrow if i heard that i would think Okay, or maybe I guess if you phrase it differently and you say something, uh, yeah, I really want to give this the the time it warrants to respond properly. So I'll do that tomorrow. Yeah, again, that's the power that, of words. That, right? the that's, words a different, can... that's a different way of saying, oh, I don't, I, I'm not in the frame of mind to deal with this now. No, the way I the way I'd meant it was, thank you for your email. Yeah, right? yeah, and that's exactly how I meant it in my tone. The way yeah. it was, it was very, very different. It's a really good example. But you were talking about, you know our thoughts control we've talked about many times in the, on this podcast our thoughts control our feelings or or nothing has meaning till the, the, the meaning that we give it which is the way you put it yeah but our thoughts create the meanings and then ultimately create our feelings right and we feel how we feel about something but interestingly like we even when it's written word or spoken word i think you can speak uh 300 words a minute i think you can write like oh, yeah. Yeah. 150 words i don't know maybe that's too many 150 words a minute but we can think between i think it's like 
2,000 to 5,000 words. Yeah. I think that's right, a minute. Simultaneously as well. I mean, that's crazy if you think about the difference of how many, but this gives a great example as to why, if we're using the power of writing things down in a journal or whatever, is that it gives clarity to our thoughts. And also mm. talking to a friend about something gives clarity to our thoughts. Because if we don't, and again, we go back to that holding that being in our body, our thoughts are can if we can if we if we're able to multiply how much we can think by 10 times what we can the speed we can we can speak or or even 20 times the speed we can write. You can just imagine how many visual stories we're creating for ourselves over something that actually could just be addressed there and then. If we don't suppress yeah. it, you can imagine then how quickly that weed can grow if we're thinking 3,000 words a minute about that particular situation, how far and how many stories we create in our own mind about what could yeah. happen. Uh, as yeah. you say, we create stories for ourselves. There's, um, I don't know if you know, there's a, a parable, the parable of the of the widower, which is bad. I'll say it, it's quite a sad story, but it's an interesting about the stories we create for ourselves, right? Um, there's a guy who's an, an, old, an old guy who 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 um, had a 10-year-old. He lost his wife and he had, a, I think it was a 10, call it a 10-year-old son. And um, he went out to work, left his, left his, or son was at home, returned from school and he was out of work. And some bandits came to the house and they burgled the house. They ransacked it and they set it alight and they left. And they, and they kidnapped the son. So they kidnapped the son. The father came home and found the house burgled and burnt to the ground. And in the remains of the house, found the ashes of a child and assumed that must be his own child. And he bagged up the ashes in a bag and, and he carried them everywhere he went and he wept for the rest of his, his years and, you know, grieved for what he believed was the loss of his son who had been burned in, in his house and, and grieved for himself because he'd left his son alone and, and, and this had happened. Anyway, unbeknownst to him, his son managed to escape the bandits and his kidnappers and a year later returned home and knocked on the father's door. His door is the father was, was still weeping over this bag of ashes and refused to answer the door. So the, the, the boy cried out, father, I'm home. Father, I'm home, open the door. And he still refused to open the door, believing it was another child mocking his own grief. Never opened the door and never saw his son again. I mean, it's a parable, but the idea behind it is he was so convinced that the story that he'd created for himself because of what he'd seen with his own eyes yeah. must be his child, that he just refused to take the action that could have made the difference in that yeah. example to, to be reunited with his son. He was so yeah. convinced by the story he'd created and so convinced by everything around it they yeah. had been living in that story for over a year. That there's no way it had to be someone mocking him. It couldn't be for any good intention. Um, it's quite well, a sad it. parable, but it's it is a really strong one. I think for I mean, it's not actually linked to creating stories for ourselves. That's more linked to doctrines and not believing in a particular doctrine. But I think that it, it it's relevant. I think it's relevant. I think um, you know it reminds me, and I think we talked about it in a previous one. I know I write about it in in the book that I'm writing now, um, which actually I've got the two two copies here. Oh, These are the two versions. Like these are pr proofs; they're not the final versions, but one's super thin, one's big. But in this book, uh, which is the uh, the big book, uh, I talk about. What's, it, what's the title? Beliefs. Go on, let's do a little plug. What's it called? Well, at, at the moment, Working it might change, but it's super vitality. Excellent. Um, decoding the blueprint to optimal health, boundless energy, and becoming superhuman. Bosh, love it, mate. Love it. Well done. So, this is currently sitting about four hundred and fifty pages. This version is currently about 110 pages. Nice. So they both have the philosophy, but this has obviously got lots more. But in here, I, I talk about beliefs. And I say, when you look at beliefs, the middle three letters, and I think we talked lie. about it before, yeah, is yeah. the word lie. And it's lies that we tell ourselves surrounded by BS, right? because we've got B and S at the end, which obviously BS stands for big stories, right? Not exactly. anything uh, X-rated. 
But we, what if the beliefs that we have about the world, a person, a situation, are just lies that we tell ourselves surrounded by big stories? And I think that parable illustrates that perfectly because I think we, I mean, a lot of stuff that we believe, you know, obvious examples, right? We believed in the tooth fairy, we believed in Santa, we believed in all these things. And actually through time and experience, our beliefs change and they are just beliefs. They're not actual facts a lot of the time. Yeah, Um, It's very hard to discern truth. It reminds me of this picture where you might have seen it. It's a difficult one to describe, so I'll do my best to describe where it's, it's, I guess it's like a, a cylinder or something like that. And it says, you've got red on one side and blue on the other or whatever. And it says, this is true, pointing at the red. And then this is true, pointing at the blue. And then looking at the overall thing, it's like, this is truth. And actually that might not even be truth. Maybe there's a, a context beyond that. So I guess we can only determine truth and fact up to a point as well. And now I know some scientists might argue that and me being a scientist myself, would counter argument that because every proof that we have when it comes to science anyway not maths is a best guess it's a working theory that's why they call it a theory of rel- relativity or a theory of pythagoras theory theorem well i guess maths is slightly different because once something's proven in maths usually it's, it's true i think you raise a good point right? we, we have so many wars fights and arguments over our belief system and yet what we believe now will be different to what we believe in the future it's the, it's, exactly. you know, it's Simon Sinek talks about how you find your why, right? And he says that your values, what 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 constitutes your purpose, your being, who who you are, what I am. You know, we talk about identity. I am uh, Nick the dad. I am Nick the business owner. All the things are labels. The only thing that's true in that statement is the I am bit, right? But yeah. it, our beliefs, my beliefs now, we talked about it earlier in, in what I believe was true when I was a teenager is different to what I believe now as well. There's an authenticity paradox there that as we, you know, what is authentically me then doesn't mean it has to be the same as what I am now because our, what's authentically me changes as, as our beliefs shift and evolve. But in saying that, actually what we hold true in terms of our values are very different. Values, I think, are way more powerful than our belief system. Our belief system is there to be challenged. It's there to be evolved. That's why you, me, you and I love talking because you challenge my beliefs all the time. It allows me to, to reconfigure, rethink, reevaluate what I believe is true or, or, or correct yeah. or whatever. And you- and then try to be better version of myself as a result. In that these beliefs change. So I think I've spoken before that as part of the one of the Tony Robbins audio programs I did, the Personal Power 2 one, he has a, a day where you're looking at values. And my values tend not to change. I've done this program maybe three times over a period of about 10 years. And my top two values are almost always the same, health and security. However, what does change is the belief around that value. So for example, we both might have a value about health or fitness being a top value, for example. Now, what I believed about being satisfying that value was that I could run a, a 10K in under 40 yeah. minutes, I would never get injured, and I had you know 10% body fat. Now, none of those things were ever really true for me. I, I, I did do a 41-minute 10K. I know you've done 10Ks in less than 40 minutes, uh, but I did a 41-minute 10K. I was always getting injured. Like I said, I've got a hip issue now, and I don't think I've ever been at 10% body fat. And so that was never going to be possible for me. And then when I changed the belief about what I believed in order for that value to be met, and I changed it to something else, like, you know, I, I'm fit and healthy when I'm not limited to doing the things I want to do, like be that travel, be that whatever, then I'm fit and healthy. So the beliefs are changing, but the values <laughs> tend to stick yeah. for a lot longer. You uh, said a really, really interesting word in that. And then, um, 
maybe it's a good, a good place to finish. I'll let, I'll let you have the closing commentary on it. But you you raised the word, and, and I think it's really, it resonated with me as soon as you said it, which is the word limiting in there. And that's where mm-hmm. beliefs are so dangerous because beliefs limit us. You know, that's yes. why you hear the words together, our limiting beliefs, our limiting beliefs on who we are, our limiting belief that we can't do something, limiting belief that we can't achieve something, can't say something, can't have a challenging conversation if that's the case. We tell ourselves what we can and can't do. And then we believe it's true because we've told ourselves so many times. In some cases, we visualized it with those 3,000 to 6,000 words a minute that we can process. And we say it so many times, everything we think is true, we start to believe it's true. And we don't end up challenging the way that we, you know, that belief system, because that we don't, we feel like we don't need to, we don't, we, we forget it can involve us and we can achieve so much more if we don't limit ourselves. And, you know, if you look at Tony Robbins, I think he's done a show called Limitless. I'm sure one of the, I'm sure it's him or one of the gurus. Um, no, um, well, he did, he did, a, he did his, I'm not your guru. Limitless was the Chris Hemsworth one about. Oh, well, yeah, that's right. It was Chris Hemsworth. You're right. But even so, like, um, use the word limited in that, in that conversation. It just rang true. Yeah. Yes. Cause limiting beliefs are one of the biggest things we need to shift. And I obviously work as a coach as do you, they're the things often we've got to get underneath and just go, yeah. why is that such a limiting belief for you? Like you can achieve anything you want. You know, the only yeah. thing, one thing we have the power to do is to choose who we are. No one else has the power to choose that for us. Yeah. No one else has the power to tell us who we are, what we are, what we can do. That's only ourselves as the power. They, I mean, absolutely right. And I think there are different ways to shift limiting beliefs. I think I mentioned it last time, and, and I guess if we're going to close, this was a, a shift for me a couple of weeks ago. And I think we, I mentioned it before, and it was that limiting belief where I was saying, what if people don't want to engage with me when I'm meeting new people? To changing that to people worth knowing are open to knowing me and that just shifts even though that was a cognitive shift sometimes when we change limited beliefs we do it from a subconscious level or from a picture level but this was literally from a cognitive prefrontal cortex level where i'm saying actually my limited belief is what if people don't want to engage with me to actually people worth knowing are open to knowing me and that little shift i don't know how long that's going to last it's lasted two or three weeks now but it's helped me engage with people that I maybe not would have engaged with because I'm thinking to myself, there's no way that I can fail at this because if they don't want to know me, they're probably not worth me knowing, at least not right now. And just having that little flip yeah, shifted things. And, Love you know, it. we have got some limiting beliefs in different yeah. areas of our life that we work on constantly. Um, and it's just about progress, right? Working through those as and when we can. Um, I, always, I always end up with a thing, and I, I, I fall foul of this, even though I know we're having this conversation, because we all have them, right? I'll, I'll say, you know, I'll do something when I've done this. You know, I'll be able to do that mm. when I've done this. I don't need the when yeah. I've I feel like I, until I've done my X, Y, and Z course, or until I've done X, Y, and Z race and whatever, I won't be able to achieve why. You know, a lot of people have this. They want to, uh, as you know, because you've done your Toastmaster stuff, one of the biggest fears a lot of people have is public speaking, right? Mm, they go, yeah. well, I'll, I won't be able to do that until I've done this, until yeah. I've practiced in front of 100 people, until I've done the Toastmasters course. Actually, there's nothing stopping you from doing it now. These are all your yeah. limiting beliefs. You don't need to do anything before, but you do it because you want to give yourself the confidence. But what happens is we then do that public speaking and you think it goes okay or we do that thing we want to do, but then we still limit ourselves and go, well, we put another hurdle. Yeah, exactly. We keep putting hurdles in front of ourselves. We're never happy with our financial level, our fitness level, our learning level. We're always pushing for more because we always think we can, we need the next thing. I was having this discussion with a friend on my way home just now. And I was saying to her how, when it comes to say yoga, right? There'll be like a yoga teacher that does their 200 hour teach training. They become certified as opposed to maybe qualified. But then they don't teach and they go, I need the 500 yeah, hours. I need yeah, another 200. 
she was asking me about my coaching qualifications. <clears throat> and I said, well, you know what, actually, because you, you're doing more formal coaching qualifications. Am, yeah, than, yeah. I'm like, actually, I've done my NLP stuff and I'm pretty, and I, then I just started, if I'm honest. I just started coaching. How most people now, do. Some places, yeah, in some places, yeah, they want an ICF thing. And I'm like, well, you know what, these are just bands of people that got together, created a federation, created a, same with the yoga, right? Yoga Alliance and this and the other. It just becomes, uh, I guess, a no a well-known brand that people can hang their hat off and say, well, I'm Yoga Alliance certified. But the reality is there's a difference between being certified and being qualified. Certified gives you that piece of paper. Qualified is that innate confidence that you have in yourself of doing the thing that you need to do. And so whilst... I, would I, said, I, 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 wouldn't, I wouldn't write off the, the, uh, the things like I said, well, I, I'm not doing ICF, I'm doing ILM, but just as a certification thing. I think people, there, there are, there's more things behind the idea of best practice and actually yeah, absolutely. preventing low barriers to entry. Now, no one's going to question your 10, 20, 25 years experience in what you do. You, you are you are qualified by experience, big believer in that. At the same time, if you, if you don't have that qualification by experience, I'd be very nervous about someone coaching me who's got no experience and no certification yeah. who just wants to make a quick buck. And unfortunately, there are so many quick rich schemes out there that people oh, are... Yeah, absolutely taking cash from people for different things. I, I think both have their merits, but I don't think you need to be one or the other. You know, no. I'd be very happy to have you as my coach. You don't have to be, you have to have the ICF qualifications to do that, Harry. I could hopefully look at your 25 years experience and all the great content you put out there to know that you're more than qualified to deliver it. Exactly. What, what qualifies me is, you know, the four books, the Masters <laughs> in Health and Wellbeing. Well, to be honest, the Masters in Health and Wellbeing, I, I don't, I'm not using the stuff I learned there other than the validation of my energy audit. But I, I felt like I wanted that again, maybe for that. I was never asked for a certification whenever I teach health and well-being. But I felt like actually it is useful to have something recognized. I would but argue that which is what I'm trying to say, I guess, which I think you'll agree with, is having that certification, yes, it's good from a knowledge of other people recognizing something, but some people they still get these certification, they chase the next one and the next they one. Do. And they never, I don't, I don't never, disagree with the hurdling. The hurdling yeah, they never step foot. Into they the still original. lack the confidence to do it themselves when they can just, yeah. just need to take that to make that step. What I would say is you've differentiated the certifications from, from being qualified. For me, they're one and the same. It's about qualified is 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 a is a, a, a plural term for, for qualification, right? Or a, a term for a qualified you qualify when you have a qualification, you are qualified to do something. Now your qualification may not be through certification. But you're qualified through experience, through social proofing, mm. through social content, and all the other bits that you do. Um, others are qualified through through certification or study. The, the the thing that's true on both counts is you both people are qualified to deliver. It's the people that have done neither that then just set themselves up that I would have a slight bit more of an issue with. But um, mm. yeah, look, I, I don't disagree with the hurdling piece, and I'm someone that falls that, that does that myself. You know, I've done yeah. now doing the highest level you can do, which is level seven, and and for me that gives me credibility to a certain degree it gives me confidence it gives me the things that probably I, I don't need to do I've been coaching for 20 years career coaching for 20 years I don't need that piece of paper but it gives me a little bit more confidence or credibility in, in my mind but I don't need it I mm. so I don't need it externally but I need it internally yeah and that's it that's it I mean it's what makes you feel confident in delivering the work you've got to deliver at the end of the day uh, and being intrinsically motivated as opposed to extrinsically motivated um but yeah, I mean, interesting. So I think um, kind of wrapping it up in terms of the conversation piece and everything, it's for me, I guess, if I was leaving listeners with something is that usually it's never as bad as you think it's going to go. And it's right. usually, usually I think I, if you go into it with the mindset that the universe will only ever give you what you can handle, 
then you feel a bit more confident that you can handle what comes your way when those challenging conversations happen. And yes, sometimes it's going to be a bit messy and sometimes it's going to be a bit awkward, but ultimately you might walk away feeling a little bit better than having left a, a specific charge in you for 20 years or 30 years that builds up and festers. And I'd agree with that. I'd echo the same points, really. If you're listening to this and you've got a weed that's growing inside of you, maybe you have addictions in your own life, right? You know why you why you look for those ways out and you know why you, you navigate to those things. Typically, it's because there's something inside that's knotted and grown and you haven't dealt with it yet. Um, so, you know, maybe now is the time to pick up the phone to that person and, and, and have a conversation. And you know what? If you haven't dealt with it by now, you may as well you might as well take it. You're not going to lose anything, but you may be losing mm. more, of your, more of your own identity, actually, in your own self by taking actions that aren't healthy for you by following compulsion or addiction or whatever. Um, yeah, don't let it fester yeah. and grow like a weed. And be, be very mindful that we think way, way many more, more than we, 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 we talk or, or speak. And that can be dangerous. Mm. It can be really positive. It can be really dangerous as well. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Harry, it sounds like you've had a, a brilliant time in Estonia. I think there's a bit more to unpick yet, so I look forward to seeing how. Oh well, yeah, there is. I'll, I'll be there next year. I've already got the ticket for next year. I'm gonna get. I might join you, mate. I might join you. Send me the details over. Maybe I'll, I won't get there for three weeks, but I might well come out for a little. No, bit. you can you can do a week. Some some people just do a few days. Um, yeah, we're gonna get the same apartments, my friend and I. Although lots of people have been asking us for the apartments, I was like, no, we've already right. reserved them. animals. Nice. Well, it was just perfect because we were by the sea. And we had our own space so we could cook together and eat together, but then revert to our own space when we needed to. So we're going to see if we can do that. Or we may try and get like a four or five bedroom apartment and and have a few more people as long as we have our own room, um, which is important. I've just realised, I don't know if anyone's watching this in, uh, in video um, on YouTube, maybe they will do later. I don't know how it's going to come out, but I've got you stacked. So you're above me in the in the video image. I've just realised uh, myself that it looks like the top of my head is a moon. I'm directly underneath. The moon of your t-shirt it looks like i've got like my brain showing hey, hey right yeah 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 <laughs> very strange i should take a very screenshot strange. and send it to you um <laughs> go back to where you were i'll get a little screenshot of it you'll get a little feel i don't know where i was i'm not sure where i was, was yeah, I there? yeah there you go i'll send over all right buddy listen really good to catch up i'll see you i'll see you in a week's time i'm going to be uh sunning it up in france well actually it's, it's been piercing it down all day but uh, i'm hoping it's going to come out well, Enjoy and uh, good luck with. Well, I guess well, I'll speak to you before your Iron Man if it's not to the summer. Yeah, yeah, not for a couple of weeks. All right. No, Take care, buddy. Take care of yourself. Cheers, man. Bye bye. Thank you for tuning in to the Mindful Past podcast with Nick Day and Harry Kalimnios. We hope you found our discussion insightful and gained valuable takeaways to support you on your journey. Please, please, please do leave us a review on your preferred podcast platform and share an episode that's resonated with you with a friend or a family member who you think may also find it valuable. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast to ensure you never miss a future episode. In the meantime, we'll continue exploring mindful path topics to provide you with more insights and ideas to support your personal growth. For now, thank you for your support and we look forward to bringing you the next episode of the Mindful Path podcast real soon.